0: chelik gimel a summary of the sicha. In this week's pasha talks about if somebody stole a an ox or a lamb and he shechted it or he sells it. So the Torah says he has to pay 5 times in the case of an ox he has to pay 5 times the value of the ox and in the case of a lamb he has to pay 4 times the value of the lamb. So Rashi explains two reasons why there's a difference in, the, in how many times you have to pay for the ox and for the lamb. One explanation is, Rabbi Yechon said that the Torah was so concerned about the honor of people. An ox which walks on its own two legs and when you steal it, it just follows you. So therefore the, the thief doesn't get uh, shamed by the fact that he has to carry the ox to the street, it just follows him. Therefore he, only, he has to pay five times the value. Whereas the uh, lamb, because he has to carry it on his shoulder, so he's already suffered some shame, so he only has to pay four times the value of the lamb. Rab Meir says, come and see how great is the power of the work ethic. An ox, which he caused him, he prevented him from working, he has to pay five times the value of the ox. And a lamb, which doesn't work, and he doesn't uh, prevent him from working, he only has to pay five, four times the value of the lamb. So we'll have to understand a few things about this Rashi. First of all, why does Rashi give two reasons why there is a difference in the value of a lamb and a, an ox, or the penalty of a lamb and an ox. Also, why does he mention the names of the people that say it? Rabbi Yechen and Mezake and Meir, he only does that when it adds to understanding the reasoning, or the, uh, the pshat of what's going on. Also, Rabbi, uh, Rashi says not that they argue, but the way that he words it is, Omar Rabbi Benzakai, ben and then again, Omar Rabmeir. When there's an argument between the two, it's the second one would be presented as, Rabmeir Eimer, however, Rabmeir says differently. Here he says, Omar Rabmeir, as if he's just coming to add something to what Rabbi Echanan ben Zakkai says, but he doesn't argue with him. But it seems that they are arguing, they're giving two completely different reasons for why they, there's a difference in penalty. Not only is there a different reason, but these seem to be competing reasons, opposite reasons. How so? The way Rabbi Echenen says it, that you have to pay five, and because he was embarrassed by what that by having to carry the lamb, that's why we take down, we take off one amount that he has to pay, and he only has to pay four. So it seems from Rabbi Yehoshua that the original amount that the Torah says is five. And he only has, but because by a lamb he was embarrassed, he only has to pay four. Rabbi Meir says the opposite. The Torah says you have to pay four. That's why by a lamb you pay four. And if, because by an ox, you also prevented him from working, so therefore he has to pay five. So in other words, according to Rabbi Echenon and Zakkai, it's only, it's a five amount that the Torah initially started with. And that's why Rabbi Echenon says is first in Rashi, because that fits more with the Posik. The Pesach says, Hamisha, Yishalim, five, he should pay for the ox, and four for the lamb. In other words, the Torah starts with what the initial, what it would seem, the Torah starts with what the initial penalty should be, and then goes down, in the case of the lamb, to something less, because he suffered shame. So that seems to be the simpler reading of the Pesukim, and that's why Rashi starts with Rabbi Echon HaMezaka's opinion on the other hand Reb Meir says that the initial amount that the Torah wants is 4 and because an ox was also prevented from working that's why it was up to 5 so they actually argue about what the initial amount of the penalty should be according to Reb 5, according to Reb Meir is 4 according, according to what we said that the shot of the Pesach seems to fit better with Reb said, then why does, Rabbi, why does Rashi bring Reb Meir's opinion at all so the reason for that is because even though Rabbi Echen explanation gives us a reason why the penalty was reduced for the ganeth, for the thief because he already suffered some shame but what does the victim gain from that? why should his uh, penalty be diminished because the, the thief already ga- had some shame? how is he going to be compensated because he had some shame and therefore his amount should be reduced to four? why is that fair? that's why Rashi brings the other side that their mayor says no the original amount was only supposed to be four and only in the case of the ox where he also diminished the amount of work that you were able to do with him that's why he was, it was up to five and that explains that question about the, it's not about the victim rather it's not diminishing the victim's compensation it should have been only four to begin with is what Rameir explains in other words, that uh, what is going on here is that Rabbi Yoich looks at this penalty as something directed at the thief. The Torah is deciding what the thief should be penalized. Rab Meir says it's about compensation for the victim. That's what the issue is. That's why they argue that they're not arguing. They're just looking at different perspectives of this matter. Is this a penalty which is meant to punish the thief? Or is it a penalty which me- is meant to compensate the victim? Now this machlekes between Rabbi Yechim and Mezake and Rabbi Meir can also fits in with another machlekes that they have in Babakama, which is similar in the discussion that we have here to the discussion that we have here. Over there it talks about what is the difference? Why does the Torah make a difference between somebody who is a, a robber, a brazen robber, that sticks a gun in your face and steals from you? and a thief that secretly breaks into your house and steals from you. What is the difference? If he secretly steals from you, then he has to pay double when he's caught. If he brazenly steals from you, then he only has to pay the original amount. Only the amount that he stole and nothing more. Why would the tailor be more lenient with somebody that steals brazenly than somebody that steals surreptitiously? so the Gemara there says that the students of Rabbi Achim and Zake asked him why the difference and he said to them this one at least, this, the, 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 the brazen thief at least he equates the honor of Hashem with the other people he's not afraid of Hashem he's not afraid of the people a person that steals quietly from Hashem he's not afraid from the people he's afraid so it makes it as if Hashem is not able to see what he's doing that is a greater insult to Hashem and therefore he has to pay double Reb Meyer brings a parable to explain it imagine if there was a uh, people there were two people in the city, one invited, made it, they both made a party, one invited the people of the city but he didn't invite the children of the, of the king and the other one didn't invite anybody, not the people of the city, not the uh, children of the king who, is, uh, who did a, a worse sin who rebelled against the king was the one that invites everybody except for the children of the king so in other words here too the same idea that he's afraid of the, of the people but he's not afraid of the, of the king in this difference the way Rabbi Yochanan explains it Rabbi Meir explains it we could see the same difference Rabbi Mazake looks at it from the perspective of the thief he did not recognize Hashem. He insults Hashem by not, uh, by pretending that Hashem doesn't exist. And that, uh, and that he can do whatever he wants and Hashem will not see it. Rab Meir says you put too much importance on the nignav, on the victim, on the person from whom you're stealing. You're elevating him too much. In other words, he looks at it from the perspective of the thief he looks at it at the perspective of the victim. Just like by the 4 and the 5, also the same difference. Rabbi Yechonah looks at it at the perspective of the thief, and Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Meir looks at it at the, from the perspective of the victim. But there is more about the difference between Rabbi Yechonah and Rabbi Meir and the way they see things that explains why they see it in this way. As we'll expl- explain now. First we'll start with Rabbi Yechonah Mezakeh. A question could be asked: Why, if according to Rabbi Yechonim Zakeh, that says because the the thief suffered shame, therefore he's we give him a break and he only has to pay four by the lamb? The question is: Why do we say the Why do we apply this only when he shechts or sells the lamb? What happens if he steals a lamb and he, and he and then he's caught and returns it? He has to pay double. Is there a difference between if he stole a lamb or an ox? No, there's no difference. He has to pay double whatever he steals. Why is it that we don't take into consideration that he had shame when he stole the lamb and therefore he should have to pay less? Why don't we apply the same reasoning there? Another thing, what is this with the shame? If he's stealing it surreptitiously, who sees him that he's suffering shame? Nobody even sees him. What kind of shame is he suffering? So the explanation the Rebbe says is this. When he steals it, nobody sees him. He doesn't suffer any shame at that time because nobody saw him when are we talking when does he suffer shame when they c- caught him and they brought him to the court and now in the court when he steals and he didn't shecht and he didn't, uh and he didn't sell it so the only thing that the court is concerned about is the value of what he stole nobody cares if it was a lamb or a key or a wallet or whatever he stole and that doesn't come up what he stole doesn't even come up the value of what he stole comes up And therefore, nobody even knows that he stole a lamb. It's not even important. It's not even part of the transcript of the trial. Nobody heard what he stole. It wasn't important to anybody. When he shechts it and he sells it, or sells it, then it's important in the court what did he steal. So people say, oh, he stole a lamb. Now it becomes a part of the trial that he stole a lamb. So everybody's um, picturing this guy walking through the street with a lamb on his shoulder. That's where the shame comes in not from seeing him steal it but rather from hearing it in the trial and only by the trial of of shechting it or selling it does the issue even come up and that's why only then do we make a difference between an ox and a lamb but you could still ask the question for that small shame that somebody is picturing him walking in the street with a lamb for that already you should diminish his penalty by that much money so therefore we know, Rashi tells us it's Rabbi Yochanan Mezakai who said this. Rabbi Yochanan Mezakai, the Gemara tells us that in, in his entire life nobody ever was able to greet him before Rabbi Yochanan Mezakai greeted him. He was so concerned about people that he would greet everybody as soon as he saw them and nobody ever got in a hello before him. Even a goi, even in the street, anywhere. So therefore Rabbi Yochanan Mezakai has such concern about the uh, honor of people which is what Rashi actually says that the, the that the, the Hashem was so concerned about the honor of people, that's Rabbi Echanan's uh, view of things, that even for the small shame of somebody imagining you walking through the street with a lamb, already we're going to diminish your penalty by that much money now let's go to what Rabbi Meir said, why, why does Rashi quote, tell us Rabbi Meir said it Rabbi said, Rashi, Rashi says Rabbi said that an ox which he, uh, he gives an introduction come and see how great is the work ethic that uh, an ox which he caused him not to work, therefore he has to pay an extra time he has to pay him five times as much why does Rashi give this introduction come and see how important is work is that not something which is self understood Rashi has to give this great introduction to this idea in fact, earlier in this week's parsha, it says that when, if somebody, a person, hurts another person, he has to pay him for lost wages. Rakshifta yit, and he has to pay him for the lost wages. So, Rashi over there says that it's talking about lost wages, and he doesn't say, see how important the work ethic is, that he has to pay him for lost wages. He doesn't say that. Why does he say it here suddenly? So, the explanation is because this might not be the final halacha but when you read the psukim through the pshat, through the simple understanding of the pshat when somebody steals an ox and therefore prevented the owner from working with it and therefore lost so much and so much money that would be included in the original value of the ox when the ganav has to pay that has to be taken into consideration the value of the body of the ox if he wanted to sell it, plus the lost wages, as we see from the case where somebody hurt another person, that that is included in what he has to compensate him for. So that has already included, the loss of wages that he has from the ox not being able to work, is already included in the keren, and the original amount. The penalty is only five times that much. So what is Reb Meir talking about that come and see the importance of work? we already took that in consideration in the value of the ox to begin with therefore Rashi says it's not talking about the value of the work it's talking about just the fact that the, the, the ox the person couldn't work with his ox he's sitting back at home doing nothing he doesn't have the satisfaction of accomplishment of work that's what their mayor is talking about for that you have to pay him an extra time the value of the ox Because the value of the work has already been included into the original calculation. And that's why Rashi introduces it with that, come and see how important is the work ethic. Not the value of work. Work ethic itself that you prevent somebody from doing and accomplishing through work. But uh, a gifted child could still ask the question that how much of, uh, in, a, in an ox's life how much time is spent on work, you can plow two seasons of the year and only during the daylight how often is he working in addition to that this halacha also applies if you shechted the ox not only if you sold it, if you shechted it why would any thief shecht an ox rather than selling it for the work, you know, as a work animal which is much more valuable than the meat that he could sell the reason is probably, most likely, most often, because it's no longer able to work. It's talking about an ax that's not able to work. So where is the work ethic that we're talking about in the case of Tvachai, of a shechting it? So therefore, a Meir is the one that says, l-miyuta, that we also take into consideration also the minority of situations. The other rabbis hold that we just concern ourselves... We, uh, of the majority of the cases, Rabea says no. We have to consider the minority of cases also, and therefore, therefore, it's possible that a, a ganef should also shecht an ox that is capable of working, and therefore, for that, we also punish him by making him pay a fifth time the value of the ox, because in the in a minority of cases, even by shechting, it's also an ox that could have done work. The Rebbe then goes on to explain what Rabea talked about. In about the difference between Aganev and Agazlan to explain it from the Hasidic perspective. Over there, Rabbi Yechon Amazake brings three psukim to explain the, the uh, terrible thing of Aganev pretending that Hashem doesn't exist. He brings three psukim. Which three psukim? One pasuk is from Yeshaya. Those who go deep and they, they work, they do their work in darkness. One posuk. Talking how bad it is. A second pasuk is, they say, this is brought from Tehillim, they say, Hashem cannot see, and Hashem and the God of Jacob doesn't understand what's going on. They pretend as if He doesn't see what's happening. And the third Pasek is, Ozav Hashem es the Ein Hashem roya, Hashem has abandoned the world, and Hashem doesn't see. That's from Yecheskel. So the question that can be asked about is, why does he have to bring psukim all together to explain how terrible it is to pretend that Hashem doesn't see? Second of all, why does he have to bring three psukim? And then he reverses the order because he brings the Tehillim pasuk before the Yecheskel pasuk when in fact Yecheskel is in Nevi'in and Tehillim is in Ksuvim? So therefore it should have been the reverse order for the last two psukim. Why does he bring it out of order? So the reason he brings three psukim in this order is because he's trying to explain how does somebody descend into such a level that he pretends that Hashem doesn't see what's happening so Rabbi Echener says it's a a level by level you go down one level after the other the first level is as the Pesach brings out you work in the darkness what does that mean? he pretends as if Hashem can't see in the darkness why not? because Hashem is the one that created the idea that you can see in the light and you can't see in the dark so he himself also conducts himself according to those rules he only sees in the light and not in darkness and if I work in darkness he won't see what I do but how does somebody come to such a foolish conclusion that Hashem can't see the dark? It comes because he thinks that Hashem doesn't see down into the world altogether. Hashem ignores He doesn't descend to be able to take on the, whatever it takes to be able to see in the physical world. It takes an eye. Hashem doesn't have an eye. He doesn't want to be involved with an eye. Therefore He doesn't see at all in the, in the physical world as is brought up by the Pasuk Hashem doesn't see all together at all, but this in itself has to be understood, what do you mean Hashem can't see He created the eye, can He not see as the Pasuk actually says so therefore it comes to a third level, as of Hashem Hashem has abandoned the world meaning to say that since Hashem is so exalted from the earth, He doesn't want to come down here altogether. He is completely removed from it, that's why He doesn't see what's happening here at all and that's what the Yetzirah does in order to be able to get a person into this kind of uh, rebellion against Hashem. He starts with Hashem is, our, Hashem is completely removed from the world. He's higher than all this. He's up there in heaven. And therefore you can do whatever you want. Hashem is not even here. But that is not enough of a rebellion because that says that well if Hashem is not here so then I'm, I'm not rebelling against Him but the Yetzirah wants you to rebel against Hashem therefore he takes you down another level then he goes to Hashem doesn't see, yes he's here he created the world, but he doesn't see, what do you mean? he doesn't look at what you're doing, he may be here but he doesn't want to see what you're doing because you as a person are not important to him but in the end this is also not a complete and thorough rebellion against Hashem even though he's here, but since he's not looking at me, he's not a rebellion against Hashem, so therefore he takes you to a third level he says that he does see, he does, he's here in the world, and he could see what's going on in the world, but he, doesn't, he sees only light, he doesn't see darkness. That starts with, Hashem only wants to see holiness, light in the sense of holiness, he doesn't want to see klippe, the dark and ugly places, spiritually. And that evolves also into the physical, that just like he doesn't see the light, the spiritual only sees spiritual light, so also he only sees in physical light. And he doesn't look at the spiritual darkness, so he doesn't see in the physical darkness either. That's how he brings you down into a lower level.